It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Ursetti with you guys here on a Friday. Hope you guys had a good week. We are rolling along here, wrapping up another week. Uh, What I wanted to do today is talk about... I said I wanted to do talk about some of these season previews here uh, with the different uh, magazines and outlets, stuff like that. Um, and we'll get to some of the other... You know, we talked about Warren Sharp. I want to get to the Football Almanac at some point, too, possibly next week. But I want to give our sh- friends over at the Draft Network uh, a bit of a shout-out as well because they do you know such an awesome job at... Um, at just covering not just the draft, but they've really been digging more into the NFL lately as well. And they just released their uh, NFL previews, or their team-specific previews, I should say, uh, over the week. And there was a lot of great info in it, breaking down each team kind of by position. So I uh, wanted to give them a shout-out here by focusing this episode on their thoughts on the Carolina Panthers. And this, of course, comes from their uh, their kind of pro account, pro account, however you want to say it, uh, their subscription based, uh, their subscription based stuff, however you want to put it, but it's, it's well worth it. You know, we've talked about the great stuff that they do, uh, including like the mock draft machine. So this is now kind of their newest edition. They had the draft guides earlier this year and now they've got the season preview. And of course you can, you know, support them by signing up for a subscription and checking out their thoughts on the Panthers as well as all the teams on here. But I want to skim through their thoughts here on the Carolina Panthers. Again, a lot of good stuff in here. So we'll just kind of skim through a little bit, go through each piece, see what they think, and then kind of go from there. But uh, the first first thing they talk about is uh, with each team is breaking them down into a category in terms of kind of where they stand as a franchise in terms of their uh, their life cycle, I guess we could say. And they you know, they gave each team what they call a life cycle label, uh, one of six labels, either directionless, basically what it says. They have no idea where they're headed. Uh, rebuilding, kind of self-explanatory, young contender who, uh, you know, just just starting to see their, their young talent and coaching hire. Uh, start to bloom, and they're ready to start competing a little bit. Uh, win now, we know what that is. Long-term contender and team in transition. So, you know, pretty easy labels there. Carolina, in the eyes of TDN, not a surprise in the rebuilding phase. And they also write, and in the infant stages of it, at that. Those were their words, and I could not agree with them more. I think we're all obviously very aware of that this is a this was a team that was hit a hard reset in 2020 as David Tepper starts to get his hands kind of all over this team now and really make it his own and really push the team away from the Jerry Richardson era and really turn this into the 
David Tepper era. Uh, in fact, they also note in their their piece here, Carolina has the lowest percentage of snaps played from 2019 remaining on the roster entering 2020. And we'll get into a little bit. They also have something in terms of uh, stability levels with players coming back, not just for this year, but for next year and 2022, I believe, as well. But definitely 21, I think they have. Um, they talked about, of course, that David Tepper believes in Matt Rule, you know, and the fact that he turned Temple around and he turned Baylor around, gave him a seven year contract that pays them among the top 10 highest coaches in the NFL. And this is an interesting thought from them. And I think we all kind of feel this way as well. They write, Marty Herney is clinging to the general manager position, but moving on from him when the right candidate becomes available feels inevitable. You know, and that was kind of all the talks too when uh, when we were at the draft. It was really just a matter of who's kind of in control, right? Is it was Matt Rule going to take control, knowing that he has a seven year a seven year contract, or is Marty Herney going to try to have some kind of control, even though he's entering a contract year? He's uh, his contract, of course, expires after this year, and you have to f- figure probably going to go in a different direction just to make this kind of a, a brand new start. Uh, they say they wrote the Panthers are embracing a process that is going to take time. The team has moderate amounts of cap space available over the next two off seasons and doesn't have a surplus of draft capital to expedite the bill. They have six top 100 picks uh, over the next three years, which of course is, uh, is normal. There are question marks and holes to fill all over the roster. With that said, the commitment to rule to right the ship is apparent. But even at Temple and Baylor, things got worse before they got better. And the the forecast in Carolina is likely to be similar. And I said, I've always targeted 2022. I said was probably the year that uh, this team is going to kind of start to take shape. Once, you know, some of the, the other teams in the division kind of maybe come back down a little bit especially after possible changes at quarterback at the quarterback position for teams like the Saints and the Buccaneers because the Saints of course this could be Drew Brees' final year and then does Jameis Winston take over in 2021 if so how far can he carry the Saints and then the Buccaneers we know this is a two-year project with Tom Brady and it probably it will probably be the only two years. You know, he very well could retire after 2021, uh, but we know for a fact he's going to be because uh, they've already said he's not going to get franchise. That's a uh, franchise tag that's in his contract. So this is two years with Tampa Bay. So 2022 could be the target. And of course, Matt Ryan, as good as he's been playing, is not getting any younger himself. So the future is there for Carolina. They just have to keep building at it. They next looked at spending power, and basically they just looked at where the team ranked in terms of cap space this year, and this was as of August 24th. The Panthers were coming in with about $12.2 million in cap space as of then. That ranked 25th in the league. And of course, you know, with even with the moves they've been making over the couple, last couple of days, remember we're still in the, uh, the top 51 rule, 
So only the top 51 contracts count toward the salary cap. It's not until, of course, you get to the 53-man roster that you actually start using all 53 contracts toward the salary cap. Uh, they Then they added here that they have $5 million in uh, projected salary cap space in 2021, which ranks 15th, but that does not include 2020 cap carryover. So let's say they take that $12 million and carry it over to 2021. Well, now you have $17 million in cap space, and we talked about some of the potential cap casualties uh, for 2021, guys like Michael Pilardi, guys like Matt Paradis, that's going to save a few million dollars. You know, cutting Pilardi could save about $3 million. Cutting Paradis would save about 4 or $5 million. So that right there is going to get you about $8 million in cap space. So you're starting to get toward 25, about $25 million. And then, you know, other moves will certainly be made to to add some cap space, but that's where they stand right now with cap space. And then we get to the stability thing that I was talking about, that the Panthers actually rank 27th overall in this list here. Uh, what they did was they took the, they took a look at the uh, 25 position, so your 11 offense, 11 defense, and your three specialists, and looked at how many returning starters you have for uh, 2020 based on returning 2019 starters of the 25 the Panthers of course have just 10 so it's obviously a lot different that's actually dead last in the NFL not surprising I mean you turn on almost any anybody that's talking NFL and that's really what they're saying about the Panthers here it's a lot of new faces but so there's the number 10 returning starters from 2019 out of a possible 25, but it does get better for uh, 2021. 18 of their 20, 18 of their I guess projected 25 starters. Again, so they say this is out of 25 and based on 2020 starters under contract, they would have 18 for 18 for. 2021 and that number actually ranks seventh in the nfl so again a lot of a lot of players locked up through 2020 at least through 2021 which is a a good sign here but then that number kind of goes back down in 2022 as as of now out of 25 players and based on 2020 starters under contract they would only have 10 as of now for 2022. That ranks 20th. Their 2021 stability score ranked 7th. 2022, they rank 20th. As, of course, Robbie Anderson will be a free agent after 2021. Stephen Weatherly, Justin Burris, because, of course, all these guys only signed two-year contracts. DJ Moore is scheduled to be a free agent after 21. Again, we said Pilardi, uh, Dante Jackson, Ian Thomas, Marquise Haynes. Uh, Andre Smith, Jordan Kunizek, all these players, and a, a good number, again, a bu- bunch of these are probably going to be starters, like Anderson, uh, Weatherly will be in the rotation, Burr is starting at safety, obviously DJ Moore, Dante Jackson, Ian Thomas, so there's a number of starters right there uh, that are going to be free agents after the 2021 regular season, and then you look at possible cap casualties, or at least guys that... Um, 
you know they could save uh save some money if they cut them um you know not that really some of these guys i mean their biggest cap hit right now for 2022 is of course Teddy Bridgewater 26 million uh, they would save 21 million against the cap if they want to move on from him, but uh, I don't see the Panthers. You know, you never know. You know, we've said it could possibly be a two-year contract if things if things change and maybe they draft somebody in 2021. Who knows? But uh, the bottom line is, um, at least when TDN was doing this project, that was the number they came up with: 10 out of 25, and based on 2020 starters under contract. For their 2022 stability score, which ranks uh, 10th in the NFL. Draft capital is their next category on here, and the Panthers rank 17th in that category. They took a look at the top 100 picks that the Panthers have had over over the uh, the last three years, and then of course the uh, the number of top 100 picks they currently have. Over the next two years, so of course, uh, 2018 through 2020, they had eight picks in the top 100. Obviously, 2020, your top 100 picks were Derek Brown at seventh overall, Yitor Grossmatos at number 38, Jer- and uh, Jeremy Chin at number 64. As of course, they traded up to get Chin, trading their their third round pick to Seattle to get him. And then in 2019, you had Brian Burns at number 16, Greg Little at 37, and then Will Greer at uh, at number 100. And then 2018. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 2018 in the top 100, of course, you had DJ Moore at number 24 overall, Dante Jackson at number 55 overall, and then Rashawn Galden at number 85 overall. That was the pick they got from Buffalo in the Kelvin Benjamin trade. Ian Thomas, of course, was just outside the top 100 that year at 101. So at least uh, of those eight picks, and then I assume... So I guess that's what they mean, too. I guess we could also look at uh, players that are, you know, that were drafted in the top 100 that are still on the roster because we counted of course there was that was uh, nine players that the, the Panthers drafted in the top 100 over the last three years but one of them of course is no longer with the Panthers that of course is Rashawn Galden so I guess so that's how they're looking at it here top 100 picks over the last two years or last three seasons that are including of course 2020 uh, that are still with the team so 18 19 20 so you know not terrible. Uh, they that does rank twentieth. Obviously, some teams have have had a lot more picks overall in the top one hundred that are still uh, with the team. And then twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, they have a total right now of six picks in the top one hundred, and that's pro- I, 
probably just looking as at just their uh, their base picks uh, in the top 100. It's probably not talking about uh, compensatory picks, but if we look at the compensatory draft pick cancellation chart for 2021, because we can't really do it right now, of course, for 2022, because that doesn't that we can't look at, of course, until 2021 free agency. But 20 uh, for 2021. Uh, the Panthers right now not expected or not going to get any high compensatory picks uh, over the cap projects them with just a fifth round compensatory pick for Vernon Butler and a seventh round compensatory pick for Darrell Williams because the loss of James Bradbury was negated, at least on the compensatory chart. The loss of James Bradbury negated by the gain of Teddy Bridgewater. So that was a three and a three. Um, losing Mario Addison, but they canceled that by adding Robbie Anderson. That was a four and a four. And then a trio of sixes on both sides, canceling each other out. Bruce Irvin, Gerald McCoy, and Greg Van Roten canceled out by Stephen Weatherly, Seth Roberts, and Justin Burris. Um, but again, they uh, so they had then they had the two extras. So they lost seven. Compensatory free agents gained five as Zach Kerr and Farrell Cooper right now don't qualify for the compensatory free agents. So that's why right now they would have, uh, at least again, the projections from over the cap. A fifth round pick from Vernon Butler, or for Vernon Butler, and a seventh round pick for Darrell Williams. And of course, ironically enough, we, have, we talk about the connection all the time between Caroline and Buffalo. We know, of course, those two both with the Buffalo Bills now. So, uh, in a sense, the Bills get, uh, the Bills given two picks to the to the Panthers. So, at least the Panthers are getting something their way. But, again, obviously, a fifth-round pick isn't top 100. It would only be a third-round pick. So, that's where the Panthers stand right now uh, with the top 100 picks over the next three or over the next two seasons with six of them. Since, of course, they don't have any trades coming up. You know, they haven't traded any future picks. So, you know, we'll see. Obviously, things can change, but as of now, they're still just sitting with their their base three picks. So, time will tell if that will change. So, continuing on, um, then they kind of break it down by a position group. So, they talked about starting, of course, with Teddy Bridgewater and... Uh, they rank him pretty low. I mean, that's the one thing we see, too, especially in fantasy. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, kind of that sleeper quarterback, but still ranked fairly low uh, at the position. The TDN actually ranks him number 30 among uh, quarterbacks. Um, just a couple of notes here. You know, they t- talked about, obviously, uh, the change at the quarterback position and just kind of the history of Bridgewater and reuniting with Joe Brady. And they write on Brady's offense. They said Brady's offense is certain to feature plenty of spread passing concepts with frequent five-man protections. His system at LSU was predicated on concepts instead of routes with side adjustments to adjust to coverage and finding open space in the defense. Bridgewater's processing skills and ability to distribute the football while taking what the defense gives him makes him an appealing trigger man for the offense, um, but they do they do note the primary concern with forecasting Bridgewater into Brady's offense is how conservative he was 
as a passer in five starts last season, filling in for the injured Breeze. Bridgewater's average depth of target was only 5.4 yards downfield. He is extremely risk-averse and often looks to find the safest available option, even if that means passing up opportunities to push the football down the field. That type of mentality will restrict the spacing opportunities created by Brady's progressive passing offense. So, you know, we'll see. You know, we've been obviously very curious, but as as we talked about yesterday with the scrimmage, um, Bridgewater, there's been a lot of love for him throughout training camp. There's been a lot of kind of glowing reports. So, you know, we'll see. And, um, you know, hopefully he kind of chucks it up more with guys like Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson and, you know, certainly DJ Moore in the mix there as well. We'll see if he chucks the ball a little more, uh, especially in this kind of new upgraded offense. Uh, And then they make note on the backups, Will Greer, third-round pick in 2019, and, of course, P.J. Walker, who flashed in the NFL and, of course, spent time with Matt Rule at Temple. Coaching staff, they actually rank 27th. Which is, you know, hey, it could be worse. Could be, uh, could be dead last, especially for a brand new coaching staff. Um, but again, they note how David Tepper went aggressive, went with Matt Rule, giving him that seven million or seven-year deal worth between sixty to seventy million dollars, and just noted how he turned two college programs around. Um, they added a, a nice stat here about Temple, dating back to 1930. Temple had exactly one 10-win season in program history. Rule inherited a 4-7 and football team in 2011 and led the Owls to back-to-back 10-win seasons in 15 and 16. That success is unprecedented at Temple. And then he took over Baylor, who was who went 1-11 his first season, then went to 7-6, and and then, of course, 11-1 and last year with the only regular season, or at least 11-1 in the regular season, with that loss, of course, being to Oklahoma by just three points. They, of course, lost again to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game uh, before bouncing back and winning the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, obviously, a lot of love for Roll. He only has one year of experience coaching in the NFL. That, of course, was uh, 2012 as the assistant offensive line coach with the New York Giants, they even write between Rule, Brady, and uh, Phil Snow. There are combined five seasons of NFL experience and none in a play-calling role. And, of course, about four of those five years come from Phil Snow. He spent a few years in the mid-2000s, of course, with the Detroit Lions. Brady, of course, was only in the NFL with the Saints for one year. Most of his time, as we know, was... Uh, in college with Penn State, and then, of course, last year uh, with LSU. Uh, And then he talked about uh, them hiring Brady as an innovative X's and O's guy and how he took LSU's offense to unprecedented heights. And, I mean, Brady again, Brady's only 30 years old, so it's quite impressive that uh, we have a 30-year-old. I mean, I'm going to be 30 in... December (laughs) and I'm sitting here just talking about Panthers football with you guys while we have a 30 year old that's actually calling the plays for the Carolina Panthers and of course then as a 29 year old he's helping a quarterback throw for 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns 
and just having arguably the greatest season offensively in college football history, which is absolutely incredible. And then they made a quick, or again, Brady, again, he only has the one year of uh, NFL experience at New Orleans in 18. He was a graduate assistant for two years at Penn State uh, and was also the linebackers coach at William and Mary, which is where he played his college football. And then they made a quick note on uh, Phil Snow, who is 64 years old, has stated his, his intentions to run a defense that is multiple in terms of alignment and will likely feature elements of the 3-3-5 scheme that he deployed at Baylor. I mean, at the very least, their base is probably going to be a 4-3, uh, but certainly don't be surprised if um, you know they do go with five defensive backs. Again, as we talked about yesterday with Jeremy Chin, who can kind of play that big nickel type player, you know, be that hybrid player. So he would almost be like your fifth defensive back. So, you know, they're, I would expect to see a lot of uh, sub package. You know, your sub package is probably going to be your base defense. I mean, you know, certainly gone are the days now where uh, your 4-3 or your 3-4 are your, your, your basic you know, your base defense, you know, there's obviously a lot of teams that are running your sub packages as your base package. You know, that's, that's the defense you're running more than 50% of the time. I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers do the same thing here. So uh, really excited to see what they do here uh, with the new coaching staff. And then they get into uh, a couple of team needs for the team going forward, because they don't just look at the 2020 regular season, but they're also always looking ahead to the uh, next year's draft because they are the draft network. <laughs> uh, and they do have as one of their team needs, of course, quarterback. Uh, they said Tre- Teddy Bridgewater can help stabilize the offense, but he isn't likely to be the long-term answer. Carolina needs to find Joe Brady, his guy, to build the offense around and move the franchise around. And then what they do here too, which I like, is looking at an option on each of the three days uh, for the, for uh, these teams. And again, you know, you can go and check these out for yourself, not just the Panthers, but they have every team already up. So it's really incredible. Uh, but they have an option for each day. And surprise, surprise, the day one option that they picked for the Panthers is Trevor Lawrence. Now, again, do I think the Panthers are going to be bad enough to get the number one pick? I don't. I don't think so. I'm still kind of holding, holding on to the thought that Jacksonville is going to end up with the top pick, and they are going to end up with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but the Panthers can certainly still get a guy like uh, Justin Fields or or Trey Lance, of course, who we now know um, will get to at least be showcased in 2020 as he prepares for the 2021 draft because North Dakota State did come out and say that they are going to play one football game this year after, of course, the uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, which is the conference that uh, North Dakota State plays in, decided not to play football this fall. They're going to try in the spring. Uh, but North Dakota State, they actually originally said they were going to not play football this fall, um, but now they've come out and said that they are going to uh, play one game this year. And that is going to be, I believe, October 3rd against Central Arkansas. So at least they'll get, at least Trey Lance will get one more, uh, one more shot to kind of show NFL scouts what he can do before we kind of get into the, uh, the all-star stuff. If we have all-star stuff, 
uh, early next year. Uh, but they did know Trevor Lawrence as the day one option. Uh, day two option, Kyle Trask out of Florida. Uh, they write Trask is a smart quarterback that developed nicely as the Gator starter in 2019. He's an appealing developmental option because of his processing skills and ability to distribute the football in rhythm. And then day three, Tanner Morgan of Minnesota, who's a guy that I've I've been intrigued by. And, uh, you know, so it's disappointing that the Big Ten isn't playing football this year because I would have really liked to have watched Tanner Morgan uh, in 2020 really start to, you know, because you saw him kind of really lead the charge a little bit more in Minnesota. I would like to have seen that continue in 2020. But they write, Morgan doesn't have top-end arm strength, but he's a smart passer that understands leverage and where to slot the football. His ability to hit throws with anticipation and slot the football make him a good fit for a spread offense. So. You know, we'll see if the Panthers, that wouldn't be, you know, maybe, and maybe they double up a quarterback. You know, there's certainly nothing stopping the Panthers from taking two quarterbacks next year. Maybe a guy like Trey Lance in round one and Tanner Morgan on day three. You know, we'll see. And who knows, Tanner Morgan might not even be there day three. You know, some teams might fall in love with him and he goes in day two. We'll see. Uh, another team need that they have on here is interior offensive linemen, which is not surprising at all. We've kind of pounded the table that center is going to be a position. We kind of pounded the table that they were going to go with this position in the 2020 draft, and they obviously didn't. Um, but, you know, they did write Matt Paradis has been a disappointment at center, and Carolina's options at guard are replacement-level players that are on that are on expiring contracts. Brady's offense is based heavily on five-man protection, so the offensive line has to be upgraded. So an option on day one, Creed Humphrey. Uh, I think it's starting to become pretty a pretty good majority vote that Creed Humphrey is the number one interior offensive lineman in the 2021 draft. We thought he'd, he'd enter, he probably would have been the first-round pick if he entered the 2020 draft, uh, but he decided to come back and play one more year with Oklahoma uh, they have a day two pick as Trey Smith. You know, Trey Smith has had some injury issues in the past, but he's a dominant blocker. I think he's uh, very powerful, really, uh, really enjoyed watching him and uh, excited to see his draft process. So uh, he would not be a bad option there in day two. And then, again, the big big thing with him is, you know, the medicals because he's had, I think, blood clots uh, in the past or like some kind of, uh, pretty serious medical issue. So hopefully everything checks out with him. Uh, I think he's already been cleared, actually, though, which is a good sign. Uh, and then day three, Tyler Linderbaum of Iowa, uh, who's actually a converted defensive tackle uh, from 2018. They say, while technique is still a work in progress, his mobility and power could make him a steal. Um, and, of course, not an, offensive, or not an interior offensive lineman. He's obviously more an offensive tackle. Um, but actually I, can, I might as well just jump on because they do have offensive tackle. It wasn't next on the list here on their page, but offensive tackle is on here. Uh, but the name I was thinking of is not on this list. So I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, Daniel Falele, uh, the right tackle for Minnesota. So one of the protectors for Tanner Morgan. I mean, if you haven't watched this kid play yet, I suggest you go out and find some film on him because I have never seen a 400... That's that's right. I did not stutter on those words. Let me repeat myself. He is a 
pound player. He is six foot seven, about about six seven, six eight, four hundred pounds, and he moves extremely well for his size. I mean, when you watch him, you'd have to ask yourself, is this guy really four hundred pounds? But that's what he's listed at. But he moves really well. You know, so he he's got a world of upside. You know, he hasn't re- I don't think he's really played left tackle, so you know, maybe there's certainly some projection that goes with him. But boy, I mean, if I had to pick an an early kind of uh sleeper draft I mean, he's a lot of draft crushes I think by now. We're a lot of players sleepers. Um but if I'm picking a draft crush right now, it's Daniel Falele, the offensive tackle out of Minnesota. Uh but the guys they do have as their options because uh, you know, before we get into that, we'll the note that they have on all tackle. Given the amount of five-man protection that is required in Brady's offense, having a strong pair of tackles is paramount. Both Russell Okung and Taylor Moten are set to become free agents after the season. Now, Taylor Moten, we feel pretty good that he's probably going to get a contract extension, so I would not expect him to hit the open market. Uh, Okung probably might, though. This could be a one-year rental. For Okun, we'll see. But uh, I would be surprised if the Panthers, you know, obviously it may not be uh, before the start of this regular season, but I would I would imagine at some point after the regular season, before free agency, I, I will be shocked if Taylor Moten ends up on the open market. Uh, but as far as the options they have for offensive tackle on each day, day one, no surprise, Penai Sewell. I mean, number one, you know, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of us by now have at least heard of Sewell and know what an incredible athlete and player he is. And just a reminder that the kid is only 19 years old still. He doesn't turn 20 until October, which is incredible. So he's going to... Listen, we've we've all seen 2021 mock drafts at this point and we've seen just about every single one of them have Sewell as a top 5 pick, maybe even as like a a top 3 or even a top 2 pick behind Trevor Lawrence. So there's a chance Sewell may not even be on the board by the time Carolina picks unless they're t- picking in the top 2. Uh but then a good option in day 2 that they have on here, Jalen Mayfield. They say he's long, athletic, and powerful with a high ceiling to develop into. He needs to develop his footwork and pass protection, but profiles as an NFL starter. So just the latest in the string of uh, good offensive tackle prospects from Michigan. He, of course, had already opted out and declared. Um, I think that was even... I can't remember if that was before or after the Big Ten voted to uh, cancel the season. But he's already declared because he's an underclassman. And then... Obina Eze, if I'm saying that right, or Eze, however you say it, uh, out of Memphis. They say he's long, fluid, and athletic blocker with the movement skills needed to match up with speedy edge rushers. He needs to get stronger and develop his technique, but he's a worthy option later in the draft given the style of offense Carolina is going to run. And then I'll just run through quick uh, the other need that they had on here, which is cornerback. Uh, in a pass-happy league in a division that features three future Hall of Fame quarterbacks who all have at least one elite receiver, the Panthers are playing with fire in their cornerback room. It needs a major overhaul. 
And so I'll just run through quick the options. Day one option, Caleb Farley. Big fan of Caleb Farley. A lot of folks, obviously, are big fans of Caleb Farley. Uh, TDN has him as their number one cornerback so far on their big board. And Farley, of course, was the one that got the ball rolling as far as the uh, the opt-outs. He was the first college player to opt out of the season uh, and declare for the draft as an underclassman. So he got the ball rolling, uh, but not surprising. You know, Virginia Tech's going to be a decent team, but certainly nowhere, probably will be nowhere in the mix for the ACC title, and Farley doesn't want to risk it. Eric Stokes of Georgia, they call him a quick, long, and fluid corner with pattern matching skills. The only question mark is if is if he can take a step forward in his terms of ball production. And then day three, Roger McCreary of Auburn. Uh, it says McCreary is a long and physical corner that has the versatility to play in a variety of techniques from both the slot and out wide. He's a strong tackler with the upside to develop even more consistency and coverage as he gains more experience. Uh, so those are the four kind of big needs that they have. And then, oh, they, they do have one more linebacker uh, with Luke Keekley being retired. And, um, you know, of course, Tyre Whitehead filling the gap for them in 2020. Um, but certainly going to look for, and of course, Whitehead's only signed for one year. Uh, so again, skimming real quick because I've uh, been kind of rambling on this for quite some time, so we'll probably wrap it up here pretty soon. But uh, day one option, Micah Parsons, no surprise. Micah Parsons probably going to be linebacker one, just an incredible athlete and um, a really dominant player would be a nice fit for the Panthers as their new Mike linebacker. Jack Sanborn is their day two option. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, downhill linebacker that has a high football IQ. He's a sure tackler with sufficient lateral quickness that would pair nicely with Thompson on the second level, as uh, how TDN writes it. And then Nick Bolton is their day three option out of Missouri. TDN writes, Bolton is a tone setter on the second level that thrives attacking downhill and filling gaps. He plays the game with a motor that is always cranked, but he does have some athletic limitations. So... Never a bad idea there to look ahead. So that's what they're looking for as far as uh, the 2021 draft. And then they have um, just a breakdown of the rest of the skill positions. Um, obviously, uh, in they obviously like the offensive skill positions. They're saying uh, this, and just quick notes, they say this could be the year that we finally get the breakout from Curtis Samuel thanks to the type of uh, the offense. And they're saying the Panthers are probably going to need contributions at receiver beyond the top three. And that's why I've said guys like Seth Roberts and Farrell Cooper. Uh, and then they say it's time for Ian Thomas to show what he can do. And then, of course, focal point of the offense, Christian McCaffrey. But they did write Brady must figure out how to get meaningful production out of an underwhelming stable of backups in Reggie Bonifin and Mike Davis. Offensive line... They say they have a, a way to go in building the offensive line comparable to what Brady enjoyed at LSU. I mean, yeah, there's no uh, Shadik Charles. There's no uh, Lloyd Cushenberry on this offensive line. So certainly a, a lot of work to do. Um, but they do obviously like the tackle duo of Russell Okung and Taylor Moten. Uh, but the offensive line is – or the interior offensive line is very concerning. Uh, Matt Paradis, they say, struggled in his first year, which is certainly true. John Miller has been a replacement-level starter at guard throughout his career and now is on his third team 
in as many years. And then the other guard position, um, again, it's probably going to be Dennis Daly, Michael Schofield certainly in there as well. Um, so they say basically this is a work in progress. Defensive line, they say K1 Short and Derek Brown has the potential to be a special t special pairing on the interior. And they said Phil, um, they also note that they have, um, you know, the guys competing for the backup roles in the rotation, like Zach Kerr, Woodrow Hamilton, and Bravion Roy. And then, of course, your guys on the edge. Steven Weatherly was a flashy rotational player for the Vikings, but pretty solid. And going to get an expanded role with the Panthers. F.A. Obada continued his, his development and should get more snaps. And they say Yitor Gross Matos has an exciting skill set that gives him a chance to develop into an exciting playmaker. And then the chess piece, as they call him, uh, Brian Burns, the 2019 first pick. Linebackers, you know, big difference, obviously, in, in the linebacker group. Shaq Thompson is now the main guy with Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis now gone. Tyre Whitehead, we know, of course, is going to take the role at middle linebacker. And then um, they're saying Jermaine Carter, Marquise Haynes, ready to take on larger roles of the defense. And so they add with Whitehead, likely a one-year stopgap. Carolina needs a player or two to emerge and prove they are starter-worthy so that Thompson can gel with his partner on the second level. And then secondary, um, they did, you know, they this is how they wrote it. The Panthers' top three cornerbacks are Dante Jackson, Eli Apple, and Corn Elder, which is cause for great concern. Obviously, I think we can change that a little bit now. We can, I think we'll, we can argue that Troy Pride is certainly ahead of Corn Elder now on the depth chart, as we talked about. Uh, Troy Pride is definitely pushing now for a starting role. He might possibly beat out Eli Apple for that starting role, be uh, opposite Dante Jackson. Uh, they say Jackson does have the highest upside of, of the group, but his career has been littered with inconsistency to his point. Apple has been a disappointment since the Giants made him a first-round pick in 16 and is on his third team since the start of 18. Elder is completely unproven, and there's a chance that fourth-round rookie Troy Pride Jr. plays considerable snaps, which at this point I think is definitely going to happen. Uh, but they said Carolina has to be pleased with the makeup of the safety room. Trey Boston got the long-term extension he's been deserving of, and they added two exciting talents in Jeremy Chin and Kenny Robinson. They said Chin is a freak athlete with terrific size, length, and physicality, while Robinson is a ball hawk. Veteran Justin Burris was signed in the offseason, offers experience and versatility. And the safety unit is young and versatile with a wonderful blend of complementary skill sets. And then they do talk about the specialist. Uh, they said that Graham Gano was released, and the kicking duties for now are, are the the responsibility of Joey Sly. Um, you know, obviously these were written, written, I'm sure, a while ago. So this was certainly before the Panthers brought in Kyer Vedvik. Um, and again, so as as far as the timing, I guess, of the riding, because they wrote Michael Pilardi has been the team's punter since 2016 and will continue in that role. Obviously, that has changed. Um, so again, you can't fault these guys because stuff like this has to be done in advance certainly and you know all the graphics that they put in so this obviously took a lot of time to put together so we can't fault them for for this because um, again the fact of the matter is they do a ton of great work and 
Um, just the look of it and all these graphics is just outstanding, so it's incredible. Um, they mentioned that J.J. Jansen has been the Panthers' long snapper every game since 2009. We talked about um, you know, him being high on the list of uh, games played as a Carolina Panther. Uh, he's third on the list right now and probably going to end up at number two at some point. Actually, if I remember correctly, we said at some point this season he should get to number two on the games played list for the Carolina Panthers. And then they finished up by saying Carolina had its share of struggles in the return game, but Farrell Cooper, a pro bowler and first team all pro returner in 2017 should fix that. Uh, final, final piece here. Their preview is just their quick 2020 projections. Uh, they only have the Panthers winning two games actually. So that's a little surprise. Again, I still think they could win a couple more games, but I know there's a lot of people that think they're going to be bad. But that's TDN's projected record for the Panthers, 2-14. and 14, uh, Obviously last in the division, and they are actually projecting them with the second draft pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm assuming they're giving Jacksonville number one. Uh, but they do have Carolina slotted for the number two overall draft pick. In fact, I'm going to go in right now real quick, almost like a live thought, just to see if I am correct in my assessment, because I haven't looked at all the team previews yet, um, but I am curious if they give Jacksonville the number one pick, as a lot of us are expecting. But number two, of course, would mean that they would have their pick of the litter of everybody obviously not named Trevor Lawrence, which, again, we we talked about the, the quarterbacks that they could have, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and the fact that Trey Lance is going to have one more uh, showcase game. And, yep, sure enough, they have, the, they have the Jaguars winning just one game this season. So they have the Panthers finishing 2-14. and 14. They have the Jaguars going 1-15 and 15 and getting the number one pick in the NFL draft. So that's that's how they see the, the worst teams in the NFL in 2020. But that's how the that's how the draft network sees the Carolina Panthers for the 2020 NFL season. The only thing they don't have is just game by game prediction. So I'm really curious what two games they actually have the Panthers winning. Um, but nonetheless that's all they have is is two wins. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card okay with all that rambling done uh for those that are still around really appreciate you guys sticking around and again you know and listen I, i'm only doing this because i love the draft network i'm good friends with everybody that works there all the guys and Paige. you know i haven't met alexis yet but i'm sh i know she does great work um but for the most part i've met and gotten to know 
everybody at the Draft Network, and I consider them all great friends of mine. So I'm just doing this. You know, this is no advertisement. I'm not getting paid by them to do this. I'm just doing this because I love TDN's work, and I thought it was just a great piece uh, to share with you guys what they think, you know, to kind of get some more outside thoughts uh, on the Panthers. So, But I encourage you to check out. Um, you could read through everything with your, you know, Especially with like the positional previews, you know, I kind of skimmed through, uh, but I certainly encourage you to go in and really dive into all these team previews uh, to get a good sense of where these guys feel uh, all these teams are, not just for 2020, but going forward. So I think that's a good way to wrap up the week. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, as always, I really appreciate you guys making me a part of your day and your week. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. And I'm going to get out of here. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Friday and a great weekend. And we will see you Monday when we do it again here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. Until then, Bill Rossetti signing off. We'll see you soon. Take care, my friends. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.